Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here at the moment. We've got Liam just absolutely hopping on the other side of the studio here, working out all of his tech wizardry science, <laughs> just doing all of our heads in. But uh, we're hoping to have a bit of a surprise for you here coming up. Do we have a surprise? We do. Angela, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be back. <laughs> there you go. Ew. We can see, we can hear. Of course, all, all of you remember Aussie Angela, who comes to us from Michigan. She doesn't sound Australian, but she is Australian, and she's going to join. I want to be too. <laughs> no, you really are. You really are. You yeah, but I really tried to work on my accent, and it really didn't work. So, <laughs> but you know what? At least you tried. That's right. Yes, and and, and you are Australian, so that, that's what counts. <laughs> there we go. Lyle said it. It must be so. No, it is so. It is actually a thing. It's what actually do you mean? she actually is Australian. You didn't know that? What? What do you mean? Her mother's Australian. Oh, yeah. Her mother's Aussie. Oh, yeah. She's, you can she's claim actually, that. She's actually Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can totally claim that. Yeah. And very, very proud of it. <laughs> proud Aussie, right there. Joining us from Michigan this morning. Of course, on Tuesdays, Minnie has to leave us a little bit early, which makes us sad. But Angela uh, is able to join us this morning, which makes us happy. So yeah. it's all good. That's so good. It is. All right. So we have, uh, yeah, we got, we got, uh, is, is, is all happening here this morning. Now, uh, Bible study time, 20 million movement. We yes. are getting into it this morning. And we have a um, really interesting study to jump into. We're going to start this one in Exodus chapter 18 and verse 1. I know that you were thinking we were going to start in verse 21. We're not. We're starting in verse 1 because verse 1 gives us a whole bunch of useful context to what is actually taking place. And there's some really interesting um, yeah, there's some really interesting stuff here that we can talk about as we work our way down through to the main point of what our Bible study is all about. So why don't you start for us in verse 1, please, Minnie. Okay, so Moses' father, Moses' father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Moses' father-in-law Jethro, who is the what? He is a priest of Midian. The priest of Midian. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment because often when we read the Bible, we read about the call of Abraham. And we read about Abraham being, you know, the father of the chosen people and being, you know, the priest of God. And, of course, you know, you work your way down through there and then you've got the Levitical priesthood and you've got God's chosen people. And it kind of feels like the Israelites are the only people in the world that serve God. Mm. But that's not actually the case. And you get these hints coming through every now and then. And so let's think about a few of these. You have here Jethro. He's Ethiopian, the Bible says in another place. So he lives in Midian, but he's actually Ethiopian. Uh, and he is a priest of God. Then you have, let me see, you have, um, oh, and his name has Balaam. Mm. Balaam comes from Mesopotamia. That's a long way away, and he is a prophet of of God, in fact, one of the greatest messianic prophecies about Jesus Christ that you'll find anywhere in the Bible comes from the prophet Balaam, the prophet that the wise men follow when they come to worship Jesus, comes from the prophet Balaam. Uh, let me think of some other examples. Job. I was going to say Job is a, yeah. yeah he's from the east. It says something about that. Job's a great example. Mm. Okay, so you get these hints. Uh, Melchizedek. 
Melchizedek's another one. Priest to the Most also High God. Priest, yeah. You get these hints that the knowledge of God was actually somewhat widespread in Abraham's day throughout the world. It's just that the Israelite nation was the one nation that was called to universally serve God as a nation. It wasn't the only place where the worship of the worship of God hadn't disappeared until it was just Abraham. It wasn't like it was in the days of Noah where the worship of God disappeared until it was just Noah and his sons. It's not just Abraham and his sons. It's actually quite widespread. Mm. Uh, but, of course, we know the story through Abraham. It would be interesting one day in heaven to be able to talk to uh, some of these guys and some of the other guys that were you know, true followers of God all over the world. You know, you find it in you know all these different ancient cultures. Uh, for instance, you go to you know China and places like that, and you look at you know the original ancient Chinese writing, and you've got the whole gospel story right there, just encoded within the uh, the Chinese hieroglyphs. And so you can see that yes, the true knowledge of God and the worship of God was widely spread around the ancient world, and we see you know hints of it coming through to this day. Okay, so let's continue reading here. So we've got Jethro, uh, he's Ethiopian, he lives in Midian, and he is a priest of God. Uh, Angela, can you uh, pick up for us in verse 2? And uh, let's just, yeah, read a few more verses there. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped and at the mountain of God. Now he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Okay, so why is it that you think, uh, why is it that you think that, Moses has not kept his family with him through this whole process. Because how can he? How can he be a father and a husband when he's leading a million plus people through the wilderness? Okay. All right. But then again, that's 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 a good thought there. Then again, you know, I would ask this question if we, you know, there are other heads of state around our world today who have families. Uh, in New Zealand, I think Jacinda Ardern's got a baby, doesn't she? Mm. Um, so, you know, there are other heads of states that have families while they are in office and they seem to survive. So why do you think Moses didn't do that? Because I think it was part of the journey. It wasn't like the destination. These The examples you gave are people that that's where they live and they've been there for a while. These people are moving out of one place to a specific destination. Sure. Minnie, any thoughts on that? I I used to question this, and I just, my little theory, which I actually haven't thought about for a while, was just that he didn't even want to go. <laughs> like He didn't want to go to Egypt at all. And maybe he's like, I'll just go sort out the thing, and then I'll just come back. I don't know. Like I know that God had told him that he was going to be leading people out, but I don't know if he knew what the extent of that would mean. I guess I look at it from um, uh, a slightly different perspective. I, I kind of look at the calling, and uh, yeah, I, let me pick up from where you left off there, Minnie. Is that he doesn't want to go? Why doesn't he want to go? He's kind of probably a bit scared. Yeah, hard out. I mean, you think about why he left Egypt in the first place. He left Egypt in the first place, fleeing for his life, and now he's going to go back. He is known in Egypt as being 
the crown prince who betrayed the entire nation. Mm. So he's like public enemy and biggest traitor number one. Now, I, I, I guess from my perspective, would you take your wife and children into that kind of environment? Mm. You know, I wouldn't do that. Um, and yeah, so he hasn't, he hasn't uh, you know, through this whole process, he hasn't seen his wife and his family. He's left them with his father-in-law. Wise move. Mm. And now he gets to see his wife and his family again. So this is this is a really nice story that we've got taking place here, where um, we've got you know a family reunion. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so we're back into our Bible study now, and uh, of course, uh, Minnie has to leave us, but Angela is here to continue with the Bible study. So we are super excited to have Angela as a part of the show once again this morning. We're going through the story of Moses. What, what verse did we get up to there, Angela? Uh, finish verse six. So you're on seven. Okay, let's go. Let's go into verse seven. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other about their well-being. And they went into the tent, and Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Okay, and so, Jethro, we- sorry, I jumped in. Yeah. Just wanted to jump in there, make a couple of comments as we go past here. This is the kind of thing that you'd expect to be taking place, isn't it? You know, you, you you meet up with your father-in-law, with your family. Uh, what are you going to do? They're going to sit down and they're going to uh, compare notes and tell stories and share everything that has taken place since they last saw each other. So this is, yeah, this is this is very real to uh, what we would see happening uh, today in a similar kind of ex- circumstance. All right, keep going for us there, uh, Angela. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Yeah, that's a good place to stop right there. Okay, so when we go through this here, we uh, you can you can kind of imagine that when um, Moses goes to Jethro, you know, before he goes to Egypt, and Moses, you know, goes to his father-in-law and he says, "Hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to go back to Egypt." And I'm going to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity, out of Egyptian slavery. You know, how do you think this father-in-law would have reacted to that? Well, it definitely depended on the way that Moses presented it. And we know that the way that Moses presented it was with much trepidation. So then I'm sure the father-in-law felt the same kind of fear, um, but because he's a priest, he also has some faith in God. So I'm sure in, in many ways he wanted to encourage his son-in-law in the calling too. Yeah, I kind of look at it, you know, if uh, if one of my sons came to me and said, look, I'm going to this really, really dangerous country to be a missionary, <laughs> and while I'm there, I'm going to create great social upheaval. I'm going to cause... Uh, the larger portion of the population who are currently oppressed to rise in, effectively rise in rebellion against the nation that uh, that they might be. Uh, I'm trying to think of a modern day example that maybe we could talk about. Maybe the the Uyghur Muslims from China or something or other. 
and uh, you know a, a people group that was something like that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna rise up against you know the uh, the, the Chinese Nationalist Party and Xi Jinping and you know some kind of circumstance similar to this, and we're going to bring about a revolution. And then I'm going to lead all of these people out, and we're then going to go to another nation, and we're going to conquer that other nation, uh, and we're going to resettle there. Now, if my son came to me with a scheme like that, I would be, as a father, I would be instantly (laughs) sceptical. Now, if I, you know, and I, you know, I know my sons are both um, both men of God. I praise God for that. And if they demonstrated that this was a calling from God, well, then you know, what do you say? But at the same time, I'm a human, and as a human, there would be tremendous anxiety that I would suffer in them going on this particular calling, even if I knew and was convinced that this was a calling from God. Just the humanity in yes. me. Yes. Yeah. You, you can you, you see where I'm going with this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the humanity in me would be very, very, very worried about the uh, what was about to take place. And so you can imagine there's tremendous rejoicing. When Jethro comes, everything has worked out. He's super thankful. He's offering sacrifices to God, um, and he is praising God for what has taken place and the fact that, yes, okay, Moses... I know you were called of God and I know that you've done the right thing here. <sighs> but now I can breathe easier because it's actually happened and it's and it's all worked out. Well, you know, Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. And so I believe that he told Jethro the story of his miraculous, you know, saving story from a little baby. And the fact that I'm sure his mother told him, you have a special calling for your life, Moses. And so Jethro knows Moses' story. And in many ways, you want to, you almost wonder, has Jethro been praying for his son-in-law through the 40 years as he watched Moses go on this journey from unlearning what he learned in Egypt to learn the way that the Lord works and wants to work through him? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. We don't know the whole backstory, but it will be interesting to find it out one day and uh, and just to see what, you know, uh, when, when you read through this passage, you, you certainly get... Uh, the impression that Moses and his father-in-law had been very close for a very long period of time and that Moses has a tremendous amount of respect for his father-in-law. As it says, if you go back to up to verse 7 in, in my translation, you know, in verse 7, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him and they asked each other of their welfare and came into the tent. Um, this is this is something that you know demonstrates a very close relationship between son-in-law and father-in-law which you know is the point of our lesson today really is that that we draw strength from one another and so you see that i just love it because in in our language their well-being it's like hey how are you doing really you know and i can just see moses being like let me finally lay it down with someone i completely trust and tell them all that's happened and i just love it because jethro immediately rejoices that's right immediately see the support and just Ah, on your side, and like you said, take a breath, and yes, we knew it. We've been praying. You did it. <laughs> Absolutely. Somebody just text, texted in to comment that, you know, remember that Moses was called at the burning bush, and this was a very powerful experience for Moses, one yes. that he tried to reject but really kind of couldn't in the end. Yeah. Um, and so he accepted the calling of God, 
And I, I guess just, you know, looking at it once again from my own perspective, if, if this was one of my sons and they came to me with this kind of situation, or maybe you're a father and you have a son-in-law and they come to you with this and they say, look, I've had this uh, meeting with God at the burning bush, my, 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 my instant human reaction is, okay, all right, that sounds great, but... You know, that's the humanity in me is, you know, really? Was, was it really God in the burning bush? You know, when I wasn't actually there. You know, Moses had this experience. I didn't have that experience. But when you think of a great man like Moses and the influence that he had um, over so many people and the leader of such, you know, a, a nation here that is over a million people, you know, when you start to... Look at what a great man Moses was, and then the very high respect with which he held his father-in-law. It shows that not only was Moses a man of significance, but Jethro was a man of significance as well. Let's continue on because we do need to get to the uh, the central point of where we're heading in this Bible study. I think we got up to verse 13 there, did we, Angela? Yep. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he had did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one another and I make known the statues of God and his laws. Okay, so Moses is working rather hard here. Uh, think about this. The knowledge of God has largely disappeared from the nation of Israel. The laws of God have largely disappeared. We don't even, we, we suspect that they did not have a written copy at this particular point in their history. The laws of God have, have been passed down orally. And, you know, that's not such a bad thing when you are only going through a few generations of very, very long-lived, you know, post-antediluvian race that is kind of like half a super race. When you get down to 400 years of slavery, you can imagine that there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunity for those laws to be forgotten. And then, of course, we know that they go into idolatry while they are in Egypt. And so, yeah, as they're heading into this idolatry, a lot of this is going to be forgotten and they just don't know it. Moses is telling them all about it all the time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Back into our Bible study, uh, somebody has texted through in relationship to the discussion that we were having earlier, okay, um, where we were talking about Moses' father-in-law and you know, Moses comes to his father-in-law and says, I've, I've met God in the burning bush. I'm going back to Egypt to... Um, you know, to rescue the Israelite people, that's a rather big undertaking. That would be a little bit stressful for kind of anybody who was a father-in-law and your son-in-law comes and says, I'm going to go and do this. And then, of course, he goes and he does it. And, you know, Jethro's like, yep, the Lord was certainly with you. The person has texted in to say, you know, this is why God spoke to the whole of Israel from the mountain uh, to prove to all that God did speak to Moses. So he didn't just, uh, it wasn't just a matter of Moses saying, yeah, God has spoken to me, you need to trust that. But God backed that up by speaking to the whole of Israel. And then when he did, and of course Israel 
you know, in the presence, in the physical presence of God, listening to the voice of God, they felt their own unworthiness and their own sin. They're like, okay, just speak to Moses and not to not to us, because this is just uh, too intense a situation that is taking place here. All right, so where are we up to? Uh, what verse do we get up to there, Angela? We need to uh, continue reading here. All right, we're on verse 17 of chapter 18 in Exodus. All right, we're getting there. Let's go. All right, so Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Let's stop Listen there. now. Mm. Yeah, let's stop there. This is classic burnout, isn't it? It is. It touches home, uh-huh. you know? We've you all- know, because like, the, the key words there is you're not able to do this by yourself. Have you ever been there, Angela? Oh, you know, more times than I can count. <laughs> Why is it that we human beings never learn? You know, I've been there many times know. myself and I've reached the point where I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to – I'm just burned out. And burnout yeah. is a dangerous thing. It is, it is because you can swing really hard the opposite way of where you actually want to be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I've been at the point where – I don't want to speak to people. I don't want to see people. I don't want to. I don't. I've been at the point where I don't want even want to read my Bible, not because I don't love God, just because I am burned out. You know, just absolutely fried. Yeah, it's just your brain. It just seems to not be able to do some basic functions. To be honest, <laughs> and, and there's just nothing left in the tank, so yep. to speak. Yeah, you just. Yep running on fumes, hoping that you can last long enough to make it through until annual leave and then you can (laughs) rejuvenate at the end of the year. And so we see a lot of wisdom here in Jethro. This guy is really switched on. He recognizes it straight away and he's not scared to address it with Moses, is he? No, which shows you once again that level of friendship that we keep going back to. The fact that Moses wants to share everything, the fact that they ask how they're doing, and the fact that he rejoices. And now he's like, all right, I've observed and I'm going to help you. Absolutely. Okay, keep reading for us there. Why don't you read down through to the end of verse 25. All right, listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers over hundreds, rulers over fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge." So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you'll be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the peoples, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Okay, so this is a really a very, very smart thing that uh, Jethro suggests right here. Moses goes ahead and does it. So Moses is basically, you know, he's got a, he's, every time that there's any kind of dispute in the nation of Israel, you've got a million people here, so you can imagine how many of these disputes come up. Some of them are big, some of them are small. 
And this is a nation that just doesn't know the law of God. And because they don't know the law of God, they're like, well, we don't know what's right and what's wrong here. We need to go to Moses for judgment. So they go to Moses for judgment. And sometimes he's dealing with, you know, really big issues. But a lot of the time it's kind of petty stuff. And so Jethro's like, set up this system. Now, uh, this system is still a system that is in use today. So if you think about the system that uh, you have there in the United States, you know, you've got the Supreme Court and there are not many cases that make it through to the Supreme Court. But you can work your way down from there through a whole different stream of different levels of uh, courts that are underneath the Supreme Court. We have the High Court in Australia and, you know, then we work our way down through, you know, um, the High Court of different states. We have... Um, you know, the, the different state courts and uh, magistrates and so forth, you know, all the way down to people that are dealing with petty traffic offences. You know, yes. A petty traffic offence does not go to the High Court, it does not go to the Supreme Court. And this is what Moses was dealing with. He was dealing with the petty traffic offences as well as big questions about the Constitution of Israel. Yeah. And so... Um, Jethro comes to him and they establish this system and it is still a system that is still in use in uh, enlightened countries today. So It's, it's yes. such a brilliant system, really, you know, because honestly you start taking ownership as you get more leaders. And so one thing I've noticed here at the high school as we teach the students, the more we get them involved to help lead, the more they care about it. And so Moses is really actually creating a culture and a mindset for all of the people there. Cause now my father's involved. Now I want to care about the law. Now my grandfather, now my uncle. And all of a sudden you have more people that care because they're leading. Indeed. And they own it. They, they get that sense of ownership, don't they? Yeah. Which is huge. Everybody needs that. And mm. your church too, you know? So with your school, uh, you have obviously a principal and you have teachers and then you have, um, you have school captains, class captains, those kind of things? We have presidents and we have class pastors and we have student association pastors and girls club and boys club. And there's several opportunities for leadership so the kids can have ownership in their school and the programs that exist. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's fantastic. And that's really what is, um, is taking place. The other thing that I see here is that Moses only has to communicate the law, the law of God, which is you know largely unknown to the nation at this particular time to a limited number of people. Because they then pass it on and they then pass it on and they then pass it on. And this is a model that we have here. This is the model that Jesus has when he chooses 12 disciples. He trains 12, they then train others, and by that process, the gospel goes to the entire world. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.